This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. I am about to walk out the door when there is a knock. I freeze. The knock repeats itself. I walk up to the door, and when I open it, my anxiety rises. Luke is standing in front of me. There is a solemn look on his face. Anne, he says as he takes off his hat and holds it against his big belly. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called Midnight Tales. Listen to the darkness. Tale 3 The One That Stalks the Night Chapter 2 How are you, Luke? I gotta tell ya. I've been better. He enters my house and heads for the couch. You want coffee? Nah, I've had enough. He shakes his head as he settles in the seat. I sit next to him. Any news of John? I ask. I dislike being this cunning, but I have to play the part. Luke puts his hands through his thinning hair, and there is a long pause before he replies. To be honest, I feel bad. He looks at me then, and we stare into each other's eyes. I know how it was with John and Gloria. You know it too. Yeah. Well, now I'm asking myself, was I missing something? I mean, did I do the right thing? You know what I'm talking about, Anne. Don't you? Luke stares at me, searching for answers in my face. But I am stone cold. Emotion escapes me. He will not find answers in my gaze. I look away. So, yeah. Luke continues. Did I ever tell you how many calls I had responded to in the past year? Luke hangs his head now. His arms are on his knees and he looks down. I am faced with his bald spot. I stare into it, reminded of the black bear I had seen in my dreams. I've known you girls since you were tiny. You remember that? Luke is staring into my eyes now. Of course I remember. You remember the frog? He asks. I smile. Of course I do. Poor old Tom. He was a great frog. Luke smiles too. I've always seen you girls as family. I want you to know that. I know. I smile. Luke stares into the distance as if trying to find something there. It's a damn shame, he continues. You see, I wanted to stay out of their business. It was not up to me, you know. 
They were married after all. But now he is missing. And when I think of him, when I remember Gloria standing in her kitchen, I don't know. My heart is beating so fast. I feel like I'm going to faint. Does he suspect Gloria? Does he know? I am afraid that if he asks me right now, if he tells me he knows, I will admit to everything. You think I did wrong by her? By them, I mean. Luke's pale eyes are staring right into mine. His gaze is mournful. I gotta give that boy a big slap once he turns up. I don't say anything. How can I? I realize at this moment something that took me a long time to understand. I do blame Luke. Every time he turned a blind eye, a piece of Gloria would break off and disappear forever. This is all happening too late. Well, anyway. I don't mean to set you back here. I'm sure you've got a busy day. This just been on my mind lately. That's all. I nod and get up. I know I should say something, but my tongue is frozen. My lips are unable to move. When Luke turns to go, I take a good look at him, standing in the bright sunlight against my window. I should be seeing the outline of his large body, a simple human body, but instead, all I see is guilt. On my way to Gloria's, I stop to get gas. I go inside the station to pay for it and spot a neat pack of cigarettes spread behind the counter. My hands are shaking more than ever. Get me a pack of that one over there. I point with my shaky finger into the distance, and the attendant turns to look. This one? He points to a pack that is in a completely different spot. I have no time for this. Sure, I nod. And a light, too. Outside, I open the pack and light a cigarette. I feel it filling my lungs, and I cough. My head starts to spin, and I slowly get into my car and crank the window open. I smoke all the way down to Gloria's place. My head is still buzzing and spinning, but the shaking is gone. So I relax. Gloria is outside on her small porch. She gets into my car and instantly starts coughing. Have you been smoking in here? She looks at me, wide-eyed, incredulous. Don't judge me, I tell her. This is just for now. She nods. Then she turns toward me. Can I have one too? You sure can. I extend the pack towards her and she lights up too. We drive, and I tell her about Luke. She smokes and stays silent, thinking. You think he's on to us? She asks. I don't think so, I reply. Yet we both know it will soon be discovered that John is really gone. 
We get in the woods and Gloria starts giving me directions. We go off-road and I can feel my car struggle under the uneven terrain. We drive like this for some time until the clearing stops and the real woods begin. Turn left here, Gloria says. Are you sure we can drive here? I ask. I cannot get stuck in this place. Turn! Turn! She screams as I manage to turn just in time. We continue for several hundred feet until she says, Here. I think it's here. You think? Hold on. She gets out of the car and looks around. Are you sure we are in the right place? I am very worried now. It was dark when I hit it, she says. But I know where I left it. How did you get out of here once you hit it? I ask. I walked, she says simply. I had all night. Can't sleep anyway. I look at her for a second, picturing her walking slowly in her heavy boots in the middle of the night. Darkness all around her, silver moonlight shining through. We have to be quick, I tell her. We cannot be seen here like this. It's the middle of the day. It's still pretty early in the morning. She tries to calm me. Nobody goes here at this time. It's not even hunting season. I breathe a little easier. And I'm just about to get out myself when she gets back into the car. I found it! Her voice is triumphant. We have to go a little further up through. I can't go any further. I protest. Yeah, you can, she says. We are almost done. We drive up at a crawling speed. And finally, she stops me. Do you see it? She asks. See what? The car is right in front of us. She gets out of the car and I kill the engine. Thank you for supporting Crawl Space Media Podcasts. I'm here to tell you about LA Not So Confidential, the forensic psychology and true crime podcast brought to you by me, Dr. Shiloh, and this guy. Hey, I'm her bestie and co-host, Dr. Scott. She was a cop and I was a Hollywood casting director. Now we're both forensic psychologists working in Los Angeles. Twice a month, we bring you a classic or contemporary true crime story. We apply the real psychological concepts behind the story and dish on the media's representations of those cases. Subscribe now to LA Not So Confidential, wherever you get your Crawl Space Media podcasts. True crime, psychology, and snark. Trust us, we're doctors. We find that in these times, everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why we're excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract, 
Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 40% off any purchase by using show code STORIES. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. I stare into the bush in front of us, and it takes me a minute to realize that there are several enormous branches covering up something large. Gloria is already in front of it, and is pulling the large branches off one by one, until the truck of a beige Ford Escort reveals itself. In the light of day, I am horrified to see tiny splatters of blood at the back of it and around the trunk area. There are streams of blood visible seeping out of the trunk, too. Something I never thought I'd see. My heart nearly stops at the sight of it. And the shaking returns once again. Oh my, Gloria. I lean a little on my own car for support. Gloria, what have we done? She turns to me. And her face is pale and serious. She is lost in concentration. I know, Anne, she says. I know. It takes me a minute to regain control of myself. I really don't want to be near this car. I don't want to be here at all. But I have to be. I walk over to where Gloria is, and we both clear the car off. It looks the same as ever, aside from the trunk. What are we going to do? Gloria looks at me. I will have to drive it somewhere where we can dump it. Get rid of this thing for good. I look around and think. I have to be at work in three hours, and we still have to get back. There is a lake around here, right? I hear myself ask. Gloria lights up. You are right, there is. She looks pensive for a second. Only... Well, we'd have to take the main road to get there. And we cannot be seen with this car like it is now. I am resolved to get this done fast. I walk over to my car and produce a worn-out map from the glove compartment. Gloria and I both study it until we can trace a narrow web of back roads. Well... Gloria says and straightens out again. That's our best bet, I think. I don't like this one bit. But there is nothing else we can do, so I nod in agreement. Gloria takes the keys out of her pocket and gets in the driver's seat of the Ford while I go back to my own car. We slowly back out and trace our way to the little dirt road from which we came. I have the map open on my knees, and I carefully follow the outline of the tiny roads spread in front of me like thin lines. Gloria is following me. I can see her serious, pale face reflected in my mirror. Suddenly it occurs to me. If anyone drives up behind her, they will see the blood marks on the trunk. I brake suddenly and feel my car skid a little. Gloria also stops. 
staring ahead as if paralyzed. I get out and run up to her. What? She almost shouts from the driver's window. We have to get rid of those marks. I am holding a package of napkins that I hurriedly grabbed out of my purse and a half-finished bottle of water in my hands. We gotta be fast. I am already headed for the back and pull out one napkin. Gloria grabs another and we soak them, then rub. A minute later, all the major traces are gone. Throw these bloody napkins in the back, I tell her. I will take the water bottle with me and throw it away later. She nods and takes my bloody napkins and gets back into John's car. We keep going through the tiny dirt streets. My heart is heavy and my hands shake. Several times I think I see another car nearing towards us, but then realize it is only my imagination. My eyes feel strained. I smoke the entire time. Finally, we get to a little opening in the woods, and I spot the lake. That must be where people come to fish. The area is well cleared, and the grass is gone in some places. The ground is easy to drive on, being flattened by years of trucks and all sorts of cars parked all around the area. We get close and stop the cars. Gloria gets out and heads towards me. Well? She is looking at me, expecting some sort of direction. I guess we dump it in the lake, I say, barely convinced myself. How do we do that? She is shouting in a whisper, clearly frustrated. I think for a moment. I wish we didn't bury him that night. I wish instead we put him in the driver's seat to make it look like an accident. Make it look like he drove off the road and hit something and cracked his head, and then drowned. I say these words as I weight them against the logic of everyday person. If I heard that narrative about John, would I buy it? I know that someone will eventually find this car. With John gone, it's a murder. But with John in the driver's seat, well, there are more possibilities. It would not be so unusual for him to drive off the road, with all his drinking and all. I turn to Gloria, who is about to panic. I hug her and feel her shiver in my embrace. My own hands are vibrating lightly, sedated by tobacco. It's too late now, Gloria whispers. This looks really bad, doesn't it? Give me the keys, I command. She hands me a bundle of silver keys. A keychain of a pornographic image of a woman dangling off the keyring. Those are John's keys. Let's start the car and drop a rock onto the accelerator, I tell Gloria. I have seen that done in movies. I have no idea if this will work, but that's the only thing that comes to mind. Sounds good. She runs off looking for a large enough rock while I put the keys into the ignition. A moment later, Gloria emerges with a giant boulder. She is dragging it on the ground, crouched over it. I go over and we both pick it up and carry it together. As we drop it down into the car, I lean over and put the car into drive. It starts to roll slowly. You ready for this? 
Gloria nods and stands back. I shift the boulder closer to the accelerator until I manage to turn it on the side, and it drops right on the pedal. The engine immediately revs up, and I only manage to shut the door as the car speeds past me and into the lake. A moment later, there is a giant splash, the sound of the engine whirling, the strange gulping sound of the water spreading and swallowing the car in its entirety. Only the trunk is still visible. Gloria comes up to me, and we hold hands, watching the trunk slowly disappear underneath. A few minutes later, there is silence. The water is once again smooth and dark. Let's get out of here, Gloria says. And we both walk to my car. She takes the map and directs me out of the spot. I drive slowly, trying not to get stuck in the mud on the road, avoiding large holes in the ground. My hands are shaking, so I smoke again to take the feeling that overwhelms me so powerfully away. Shit, Gloria says. We forgot the tools in the trunk. I remember how after we were done burying John, we piled the mattock and the shovel into the bloody trunk. My heart beats faster. Too late now, I say as I throw a cigarette butt out of my window. Don't worry, the water will take care of it. I really hope I am right. We are silent the rest of the way back, exhausted and lost in our own thoughts. I'll pick up Bunny, Gloria says as she gets out of my car. Thanks, I'll see you later tonight. I drive off right away, only 30 minutes to get home and get ready for work. The remainder of the day is busy, and I am grateful for that. The business erases my racing thoughts. On the next episode of Midnight Tales, What do you want to see? The oak asked the bear. Show me what happened to John. The bear roars, then settles on the ground clumsily. The oak plucks a few beams, borrowing them from the silver moon, and throws them in the direction of the bear. Oh, him, yes, I have seen him. Look here. Follow the light. Thank you for listening to Midnight Tales, a crawlspace media production of a pi-rational story from the in-between. Voice acted by me, Natalie Nottis. Music and post-production by David Williams. Written by Pi Rational Writer. Stories from the In-Between is part of the Crawl Space Media Network family. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.